We're back with my brother, Mark Scholes, for part three of our podcast here. Part one, we talked about our childhood, what we went through, what Mark went through specifically, hitting rock bottom, how he came out of it. Part two, we're talking about his, his selfless giving back, where he's at and helping people, specifically me, how he's helped me in my life. Um, now I want to talk about becoming a force for good. Earlier, we talked about you being in the car business. You run two big dealerships, and I'd like you to talk about that. When I took all all of everything between going to therapy and listening to audio books and starting to get out of myself and becoming a better leader and helping people, um, that's when my career really took off. I got to be known as a guy that could fix a broken car dealership. And that mm-hmm. was really where I got it. You have to have policies. You've got to put all of that together. Arithmetic is arithmetic, right? If, if you got $10 coming in and $5 going out, you made $5. So that's all pretty simple. Um, you know, the business is really all about people. And it, it, it is truly, truly about people. If you can get in there and help people just get a little bit better every day, then you're going to be successful. That's where I just started taking over dealerships. And I went wherever the opportunities were going to be and did everything I could do to maximize those opportunities. It, it still boils back down to you can get anything you want in life. You got to figure out what it is and how much it costs. For me, I wanted to be successful. So that cost became where is the opportunity? Wherever I thought the best opportunity was, was where I was going to go. I can say that every store that I've ever taken over or invested in, I've left that store in a whole lot better situation than when I walked in the door, um, you know, and changed the value of companies by, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just by people, influencing people, um, finding out what they want. I can get what I want out of life if I get enough other people what they want. So it's walking to a dealership and finding out what do you want? The other thing that amazes me in life is the self-imposed limitations that people put on themselves. You know, they do. They put complete self-imposed limitations on where they're at. It just becomes encouraging them, empowering them, and then also teaching them. You know, if I'm going to teach anybody anything is that life is a mental game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are winners and there are losers. And I do a meeting sometimes. I say we are creatures that are motivated by hope for gain or fear of loss. We are motivated by pain and pleasure principles, whichever way that you want to, to do that. I can go out here and no matter what happens, if you want to sell a car, if I turn around and the average commission on a car is $300 and I say, okay, well, I'll pay you an additional $300. That's a pleasure principle, right? Gee, instead of 300, I get another 300. Right. Okay. Well, if you don't, then tomorrow you got to work from nine o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night. So there's your pain. Now we go into the mindset of what I say, life as a mental game, there's winners and losers. And let's start playing the games inside of our own mind. Now, if I turn around and that was real and I said, okay, ready, go. What are you going to do to produce today? And the chances are you're probably not going to sit back and go, well, gee, I don't have enough money for gas. Well, gee, I'm just not feeling it today. 
the worst thing I've ever heard in my life is anybody telling me they're blacked out. How can you be blacked out from the time that you wake up in the morning until the time you go to bed? If you can take and dictate how many hours you're going to be at work, if you're going to be at work, be the best that you can be at work and play that mind game of what can I do to get better? If I get better, you know, I always used to say this in meeting after meeting after meeting, you know, when I was in my twenties, they'd go and I'd, and I'd stand there and I'd go, especially when I went to new stores and I did training and coaching. I says, you know, guys, I'm just going to tell you this. The car business has been so unbelievable to be, I'm a millionaire. There's only one problem. I don't have the money yet. Yeah. I always thought I was a millionaire. I just didn't have the money yet. Right. And so I worked like I was a millionaire. To pick up and move to Kentucky is no big deal because here I am single. What do I have to do where I'm at? Chances are nothing. I was had a comfortable job. I was making right. 350, 400 for whatever it was, $400,000 a year in, in in the 90s or whatever it was, right? right. And everybody go, why would you leave that? Well, because the store was the store I went to was losing a million plus dollars a year. And I sat with the guy and he's trying to negotiate out a salary. And I said, whoa, 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 stop. I don't need a salary. You can take the salary away, throw that down the window, pay me 25% of the net profit. We negotiated to 20% of the net profit. I flew from California, loaded up everything in a U-Haul and I moved from California to Kentucky to 20% of the net profit of a dealership that was losing money in a tin building. The first year we made $3 million. So I made $600,000 the first year. I bet on myself. But the other thing is too, I'm a millionaire. I didn't have the money yet. Well, do most millionaires sleep until eight o'clock in the morning? No, they don't. They wake up and they get whatever they need to get done and they show up on time and they work. Do they leave at four o'clock? No, they don't. You know, they work until six or seven or eight or nine o'clock at night. If your goal in your life is not that, you know what, that ship has sailed, I'm not that. Let's say that you're 60 years old now or you're 40 years old or however old you are and you're already married and kids and you can't show up at work at 630 in the morning and you can't work till 10 o'clock at night. What are you actually doing to produce between, say, you show up at eight, eight o'clock in the morning and five o'clock? How much downtime do you really have? Right. Um, and chances are there's always more that you can do. So no different than when you come home. I mean, are you going to pop a beer open? Are you going to do this and watch your kids over there doing video games? Or are you going to go be a dad? Are you going to go be a mom? Are you going to you know, do something nice for your spouse? Who, who are you? My goal is to try to be a better man every day. I want to be a better parent every day. There's no book for that, as we know. I want to be a better boss. I want to be a better employee. I'm not in a serious relationship right now. When I get in a relationship, I... You know, I've listened to the audio book, Love and Respect. I've listened to audio books on, on the five love languages. I cannot tell you the amount of marriages that I've saved. Handing people audio books like Love and Respect and, you know, do you know what your wife's love language is? No. Does she know what yours is? No. Okay, here, I, you know, I basically got a counselor and retainer. My two dealerships here combined, they probably sell 800, 900 cars a month. They've got huge service departments, parts department, body shop you know, about 400 employees. And these are the things that we talk about all, to, all day long is A, not just, 
you know, what can you do to be a better person? My life isn't about really very little of it has to do with how many cars are going to sell. Right. It is how old's your kids? Two and three. Where do you want them to go to college? You know, I had one the other day. I said, do you want to send your kids to college? And he said, yes. And I said, but here's your production right now. You've got the ability and the talent to move up in here where you can send them to a nice college. And here was his response. Well, hopefully they'll get an athletic scholarship. Uh And I said, I said, you're four foot two, bud. I mean, you're like me. You're vertically challenged. The chances, you got a better chance of strapping a rocket to your butt and having dinner on Mars than you or any of your kids getting an athletic scholarship. So let's be real, right? Is I understand that you're going to sit through this life and be mediocre for yourself, but let's get selfless. Your kids deserve a better life than you have. It's your obligation. Don't you want to be that person? Well, yes, I do. Okay, well, let's start. And then the dumbest ass thing I've ever heard in my life is it takes 21 days to form or break a habit. Bullshit. It takes today. Start today. Why are we waiting 21 days? I mean, you're right. It's it's interesting because I've always said this is your mind is a garden and it's your garden. Mm -hmm. And you get to plant anything you want to plant in it. But if you don't plant anything in it, then weeds grow. And now you've got an overgrown garden full of crap. Right. But even if you plant positive things, then weeds are still going to grow and you've got to maintain it. So throughout my financial success or whatever success I may or may not have had at 57 years old, I'm still listening to audiobooks today because I'm still the same guy that listens to the same TV shows, the same radio shows, the same crap that's coming in with, you know, Democrat, Republican, coronavirus, mass, this, that. I mean, the, the, the world is full of weeds coming in. Right. And I can remember living with dad, as you know, his yard was always perfect. Yep. And he mowed that thing and then he threw out, you know, the weed and feed and seed and this, da, da, da. and I, I mean, it had to be right. We lived next door to somebody that didn't mow their yard all the time. He turned around and said, Hey, go mow that yard over there. I said, what am I going to mow his yard for? He said, well, first and foremost, it needs to be mowed. Obviously he doesn't have enough time, but B, he probably doesn't care. If you look over there, you see those weeds that are growing up. I said, yep. He said, those are going to turn to seed. The wind's going to blow and it's going to come on our yard. And I went, huh, I never thought about that back then. Right. Until I started this, your mind is your garden. You get to plant anything you want to plant in it. And I tell people, you know, if I, if I want to plant in today that when I get off work, I'm going to go to that gym, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. If I'm sitting here on my computer, instead of looking to Facebook, if I, if I pull up a workout fitness magazine, and I start looking at that, and I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to work chest and triceps. I'm work chest and triceps. That's exactly what I'm going to do. If I sit here and I start looking on Facebook, and then I look at the best burger joints in Tampa, I can promise you I'm going to have a cheeseburger tonight, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's I'm responsible for what I put in my brain. I can justify anything. If I get a phone call today that something happened, I mean, as you know, my oldest daughter made a decision that that I'm not happy with at all. Right. But 
in that, I'm actually devastated, but I'm not going to let it ruin my life. You just turn around, look and go, look, this is the mind's my garden. I got to make sure and keep that thing clean. I got to stay positive. I got to go. And God, what is the silver lining in it? Where is it? Where does it pop out? And I'm already learning things. Everybody's going to go through adversity. God knows I have, and I know you have. Yeah. Uh, But what you do with it is your responsibility. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I've learned is don't worry about things you can, you can't control. Worry about what you can. And all we can control is our own thoughts, actions, and emotions. Yeah. 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 And what's always funny is, is I I can tell that when I, I was getting another opportunity somebody in the interview process and you know what are you going to do and so it went through well first and foremost i'm going to come in you know and and i go through all the quotes your mind is your garden you know these people have self-imposed limitations and and we get all done and he says well i love everything that you're saying and they would make great posters on the wall but what's quantifiable and i said oh okay you want that I said, well, I'll double the net profit. And he says, uh, okay, what kind of time frame? I said, the first day. He kind of laughed, and somebody that had known me was in this meeting. And he turns around and goes, look, Mark says that's what he's going to do. He's going to do it. 90 days later, this guy had been around the store quite a bit. And he goes, you really do live your life by these philosophies, don't you? And, and I said, I do, because I get to make a choice how I, how I live. Uh, and I get to make that choice whether I have a positive mindset or a negative mindset. When I start getting, I learned in, in AA, stinking thinking. When I start getting stinking thinking, because I'm no different, it's, uh-oh, I better plant some positive things in my brain because I can see which direction I'm going. Because I get to make that choice. I worked for a dealer out in California that was a lunatic Italian. And this guy beat me hard. I mean, he was the hardest that anybody had ever been on me. Mm-hmm. And one day he says, come here, son, come here, come here, son. And so we walked outside and he says, what's the name of that building say? And I said, it says Gilroy Toyota. He said, it doesn't say Mark Scholl's Toyota. And I said, yeah, I know. He goes, that's right. It says Gilroy Toyota. And I said, okay. I said, I'll put my two weeks notice in. He goes, excuse me. I said, the day that you don't want me to treat this dealership like it's my own is the day that I need to go. Come talk to me, son. Come talk to me. So we go in and we sit down and he goes, you're right. You're the only person that ever looked at this like it was yours. And I said, yes. And I said, I'm going to make some mistakes. Help me. But yes, I take pride in this just being treating this like it's my own dealership. Mm -hmm. And so this old timer up in Kentucky that I went to work for, he taught me a lot of different things. And he told me one day, he said, Mark, being rich is so easy. It's unbelievable. Most people concentrate on believable. You and me concentrate on easy. And it really is easy. Mm-hmm. But he also told me the story about these two brothers went to work for l and Railroad uh, way back when the railroads were the biggest thing in the whole wide world. Upon retirement, one of the brothers retired as a line worker. And the other brother retired as the CEO. So when they had the retirement party for the CEO, they were uh, they had uh, a bunch of governors and other people there for the celebration of his retirement because the railroads were huge back then. Right. So the brother wanted to talk 
during this during this uh, retirement ceremony, and everybody was nervous about what he was going to say because I mean he just retired a year earlier as a line worker. He gets up and he says, "You know," he says, "We're here to celebrate my brother retiring as a CEO." He said, "Many of you guys know the story. We started uh, here at LN Railroad at the same time." And he says, "And if you guys really want to know what the difference is." said, when we came to work here 35 years ago, I came to work for $7 a day. My brother came to work for Ellen and Railroad and walked off the stage. Yeah. And so if that's not a dominant thought process that this guy came to work to make the company better, which at the end was selfless to make himself better. Yeah. The other guy went to work for $7 a day and by God, he retired an hourly guy. For me, I've always looked at every company that I've ever taken over, whether I have a partnership or equity in it or whether I don't, is I'm going to work to make this company better. So if I have a great number two guy for me, if it's his time to get an opportunity to go run his own store, I'm the first to develop him because my job is to recruit, develop, motivate, duplicate myself and if I'm really going to live my life by I get what I want out of life, if I get enough other people what they want, I've got to help them. I helped this one kid just recently that he came to work for me and I looked at him and I said, I said, I'm, I'm here to help you and I'm going to give you a recipe. And you make the decision whether you want to be a $300,000 a year guy for the rest of your life or a million dollar a year guy. I'll give you the recipe. Now, it's not going to be easy. You believe that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink. I don't live by that philosophy. I believe I'm going to lead the horse to water. You're going to drink, or I'm going to put your head in the water trough and you're going to drown. Either way, I know what kind of horse I got. Right. And this is the important part of business. So you tell me that's what you want. Be careful what you wish for. He was a lot of fun to work with. And I put his head in that water trough a lot and he held his breath. I knew he was holding his breath. So I held him a little bit longer and he started drinking the Kool-Aid. But that guy made a little over a million dollars this year. He got his own store. He's making over a million dollars. And so you get a text message back that says, thank you. Thank you very much. You absolutely changed my life. Well, that's on the financial end of it. And my response was this. I'm very proud of you. I will be disappointed if you don't do the same thing for somebody else and change their life. Because usually that's when people stop. It's about giving back. It is. Anyway about giving back yeah i hope i didn't this, get on too big of a soapbox there no but. no this has been awesome thanks mark another thing is you know you helped me finalize my book never buy the book and i've asked you multiple multiple times when are you going to sit down and write your friggin' book it's going to have to take somebody that's got a whole boatload of patience i don't know one day i, I you know i've got to find somebody that wants to do it as a because i can't sit down and type they're going to have to listen to me because you know, I always tell people this. I, I, I type like old people make love, right? It, it, it's ugly and slow and nobody wants to watch, right? So, <laughs> Well, next time I'm out, we'll have to sit down and talk about it some more because I, I think you need to get it out there because I think it'll help so many people. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the comments I get about my book is it helps everybody that reads it. And I know your story is phenomenal and i would love to see it out there to help people well no i i see what you do and i'm and i'm i'm honored and proud to be your brother thank you same here same here well thank you mark i appreciate it 
As we close today, remember, if you're not doing it by the book, it just might mean you're onto something great. Until next time, be great.